Okay, we welcome on a very special guest. And I got to say, I think this is the furthest we've ever been away doing a Zoom interview all the way from Sevilla, Spain, the Kaiser legend, the captain himself, Chris Molina. How are you doing today, brother? I'm great, my man. How are you? Thank you for having me in the podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you so much, Ben. Looking for a guy to come on and talk some Sun Conference soccer and why not one of the best defenders to ever step foot on all these wonderful pitches here yeah. in South Florida and Savannah. I got SCAD in there now. And SCAD's not a team that I've really talked about at all, but because they don't really have baseball, softball in the Sun Conference, but they do have soccer, so they're going to get excited to bring them into the mix. But uh, let's go ahead and get into it, Chris. I, I want to talk about the big rivalry because that that's what headlines a conference, what makes a conference great. And we have a really good one with two historically very well-run programs down in South Florida, West Palm Beach, and Miami Gardens, St. Thomas, Kaiser. What's that rivalry mean and how big is it for the Sun Conference? I mean, since it is – for me, Southeastern used to be a very big one as well, but there's, there's always something different about the St. Thomas game. I feel like it gets personal between the players. You know, it's like really the day where you got to show who's the best team in the conference. And since I got here there to Kaiser four years ago, I'd say it's the, it's the biggest match. Um, we've had a bit of, sometimes we won back in the day. This last year, they had us three times, I think it was, yeah. So they were up there in our heads a little bit, and it, we struggle against them. But yeah, great group of guys as well, and very competitive team. Yeah, it's a great robbery. I'm really excited to cover it this fall. I got a question for you. So coming off, y'all were y'all did get the last laugh last year, winning the national championship. Do you think it may have been a little bit different if you faced St. Thomas in the final? Yeah, it's it's actually a funny thing because within our group we always mentioned it once at the like national tournament. Like it's it's funny that the only team that could really and they they showed it the team that could beat us once and another time didn't come to the nationals. So we were always wondering like what if they came, would would we have had that success? But um, but yeah, it surprised me a lot to be honest. Like um, it's a group of. Mature guys, I wouldn't say old because we're not old, 22, 23, <laughs> but like Argentinian group, great bond within them, great players. So tough team. And I think it was in the second round of the opening round that they lost. So it was definitely a shock for us. Yeah, I think it, it did have a good help in us winning the tournament. Yeah. You said something about guys from all over Spain and uh, Argentina and whatnot. Something that's beautiful about this game is at every level, especially the collegiate level and professional club level, is you have guys from all over the world. And at Kaiser, it's no different. I mean, Sweden, a lot of South America and uh, Spain. What, what's that like? What's that mix of culture like in a locker room? I think it's I think it's the best part about America. I think we're all kind of people that had, uh, let's say, that anger, that eager, sorry, for, for soccer. And we wanted to go to America and we all meet up there. We're all in the same situation. We're away from home, away from your parents and, and friends. So it kind of makes the bond stronger. You know, you, you empathize with the person next to you. And, and after that, not only for the soccer part, like within 10, 20 years from now, if you want to go travel around the world, turns out that you got friends all over the place and a place to stay and and to be received which is i think is a privilege that not many people get uh, yeah I man that's 
That's a beautiful way of putting it. And uh, so you talk about wanting to travel and you have guys all over. Where are some places from guys on your team that I said one earlier, one that sticks out in a place I really want to go is Sweden. Uh, who, who's the guy kind of blanking on his name? I think I know he's coming back uh, there. Uh, Alexander Steen, that's who it was. Uh, forward for y'all. Uh, he is from Sweden. What's uh, Is that somewhere you'd want to go? Or where are some places that you would want to travel? Maybe in Europe, South America, Asia, or wherever. Yeah. The north of Europe is going to be awesome. Um, Steeny, Steeny, that's how we call him. He's actually one of my good friends in Kaiser. Okay. Top lad. And uh, I think it's going to be his year this year. And then, obviously, we have a hell lot of Swedish people in Kaiser. My girlfriend is actually from Sweden. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So you got, you got plenty of Swedish connections. I haven't, haven't been to Sweden yet, but... But yeah, a lot of Swedish people. And then South America, which I've never been either. It's a place like Colombia, Argentina. It's got to be beautiful, man. And some of my good friends from Kaiser are also from there. So I'd say. Yeah, I would have loved uh, 2016. I would have loved to go into Brazil for the World Cup. Any of those matches down there. I mean, talk about electric. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got to be. Imagine if it's beautiful already. Imagine during the World Cup. I had a friend who went there and. And it's almost the same being inside the stadium than just going to the city because it's full of people who are just partying there and celebrating. It's great. We were talking about Argentina a second ago. One of my friends was talking about that. I don't. He said he didn't really believe that soccer stadiums in South America and Europe got as hype as like college football stadiums get. And I just yeah. laughed at him. And so I pulled up uh, Boca Juniors versus River Plate. Uh, uh, big Argentina rivalry down there, and I showed him that video, and he was like, "Are they throwing flares? And the, the entire section is on fire from the flare. Like they got it. <laughs> but, imagine playing on that. You know, I think Argentina fan base. It's got to be. I mean, Spain is big. Spain stadiums of football. The passion. I'd say England and Argentina. It's, it's different. It's right up with each other. Yeah, so I, I'm a sports junkie. We talked about it before uh, we started recording. I have a long bucket list of football, baseball, soccer, and even basketball stadiums that I do want to go and see. Two of them are, are in your home country of Spain, the Bernabeu with Real Madrid, and then the Barca Stadium, Camp Nou. Two stadiums that I really love. The atmosphere atmospheres are unmatched. But where are some other places, some other stadiums in Spain that have that elite atmosphere when I do make that trip across the pond to the great country of Spain that I've got to go and watch? I I mean, honestly, I think almost every every city or province that we call it here have at least one big stadium, which will have like 60,000 people going nuts about soccer. But like I'd say, obviously, I got to say from where I'm from, but here in Sevilla, we got like the Betty Sevilla rivalry. Yeah. Which is, it's unbelievable. Like, I see it in my group of friends. You see it in the city, the whole city, like, it's paralyzed that day. I mean, Betis, in my opinion, I'm a Sevilla fan, but, um, but I'll try to be objective on those things. And Betis have a bigger fan base and their, their fan base is stronger than Sevilla, I'd say. But really? it's, yeah, it's unreal, man. They have like a, the other day was the first game of the Liga. August, where everyone's in holiday somewhere in the beach or like out, and the stadium was packed, fifty-one thousand people watching something like that. Imagine, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Literally, like it's like a kilometer, almost a mile away from here, and I can hear them when they're singing in the stadium and celebrating the goals I hear from here from my house. 
That's something I would I, I wish more uh football teams here in America did was when an entire stadium sings a song. I mean it's it, like like when, in Anfield when they say you'll never walk alone. I mean that is a leg numbing heart pounding down in your stomach feeling. I mean it's beautiful right, to have an entire stadium do that. Um, I think we're getting there. I, I think soccer in America. I mean, from when even from when I start stopped playing in uh, 2019 was the last year that I played. Excuse me, 2018. I think soccer has progressed a lot, and I even have a bold prediction. So obviously, Weber, or not Weber, Jesus, the, the MLS is not on that. You know, the Big Five. It's not Serie A. It's not EPL. It's not La Liga. It's not the Bundesliga, and it's uh, uh, what's my thing? It, Few other, few others that is probably still, still behind. However, Bundesliga, I think, is starting to kind of decline because, and the reason is, who, who's going to win it this year? Bayern, like every year, right? Who's, who, who's going to win? It's such, it's just, I, I feel like I don't want to say it's dying, but it, I feel like the MLS is growing at such a high rate. I think we are getting to a place, and by twenty thirty. I think there's a good chance. So I guess within the decade, I think the MLS has a chance to enter that upper echelon, especially if in 2028 the World Cup, uh, which is it, it's a three three country uh, World Cup in 28 or uh, 26. I'm sorry, 2026. Yeah. Uh, United States, Canada, and Mexico, but still most of the games will be here in the U.S. And uh, I, I got a good feeling it's going to go crazy, man. I think it's going to go crazy. I think that might be the year the United States has a legit shot at winning the World Cup. Yeah. That happens. It's crazy, like, how difficult it is. But obviously, when you, you're at home and you have your fan base playing in front of them, it's, it's different, of course. What is it about you know uh, Spain and, and other European countries? Why are they – or why are y'all so – I want to say – well, I guess that's fair. Like, far advanced is better. At soccer, like what what makes y'all's youth development or interest in it just higher than the success rate that it is in the U.S.? I feel like money is being put in to United States youth soccer, but it's still nowhere near you know the Spains, the Englands, Italy, etc. It has to do with uh, with uh, how old it is. So like the first club here in in Spain, for example, it's like a couple of hours drive from here, um, and it was like eighteen. 90 something when it was created, something like that. It's or two, like 19, early 19s. Been so, around for a long time. Yeah, exactly. The English started it. They started playing, or that's what they're supposed to be. And then I think that's what it is, you know, like 100 years playing, and you guys feel like America, it's pretty recent. Like, obviously, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, especially compared to. But it's not as old. And and I feel like, like here, man, people who, who make a some money they spend like 50 percent of the of their salary just on the season ticket to go watch you know yeah like it, people's lives like there in america you go like you said earlier you got baseball you guys are amazing uh basketball you guys are amazing um football american football is a sport which is basically in america like in europe we try to play but we don't get to level so i feel like you guys have a variety of things that you can choose as a kid whereas here's a guy if you don't play football in school you're like i wouldn't it doesn't sound nice to say you're left out but that's almost how it is you know this 20 boys in a class and 19 of them are playing so that's why i think it's, it creates 
more opportunity to, to let develop better players. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. I mean, it, it is soccer or football is the it is the baseball. It is the American football over there. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's fair. All one sport. I'm sorry. All, all of those four sports put it in one the fan base, and that's that's soccer. That's why it's so big here. Yeah, I, I think it is starting to get to a point where the fan base is starting to get there. Uh, a little bit about me. I, I'm from Georgia, and I, I are you familiar with like Atlanta United? And like, yeah. that? I mean, they, they are constantly 60,000, 70,000 fans at every game. Like, regular season games are selling them out, but they're also the only stadium that really has that kind of capacity. And Atlanta is a big market. That was fun. I don't, do, do you keep up with MLS uh, much at all? That's that's a goal, right? I'm sorry. That's the goal to play there, so I do follow it. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, that'd be sad. If you if you put on a five stripe shirt, I will 100 percent buy your jersey. I can, <laughs> you go in if you go anywhere that MLS, I'll buy your. I'll be the first one getting your jersey. If, if I make it to that point, you got it for free for sure, man. Oh, I love this interview. This is a great interview. I'm loving this so far. I already got a free jersey out of it. Um, but uh, 2018, when Atlanta United won, that it captivated this the entire area, the entire fan base. We were a second-year team in the MLS. And when Brad Guzan between the sticks, which, I mean, that was my guy for me being a keeper, uh, and Joseph Martinez, Miguel Almiron, that was, like, peak. It was – there in the playoffs, it was 74, 75,000 people packed in that stadium. I mean, it was amazing. It's like I think soccer can eventually get like that. That's why I think if we continue down this track, I mean, yeah, and I mean, money is getting put into it. You look and the possibilities of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi coming over and playing for like Inter Miami, which you know, as an Atlanta United fan, I, I would I don't want to see that. But as a fan of American soccer and growing the game, which I'm a huge fan of, that'd be amazing. I mean, it happened with Rooney, oh, David Beckham, so. We'll see. Uh, fingers crossed for sure on something like that happening. But anyways, uh, going back into Sun Conference soccer, we are on a podcast where we cover the Sun Conference. We'll reel it back in just a little bit here. You know, obviously, the upper echelon is Southeastern – or excuse me, uh, St. Thomas and Kaiser. Who's a team that you're looking at this year? I know you won't be playing this year. Uh, you're done, unfortunately, and recovering from ACL. Praying for you to get better for that. But um, who are some teams outside of the two teams down South Florida that you're looking at to make some noise in the conference this year? Yeah, I mean, Southeastern are always up there. Mm -hmm. Always up for the four years I've been here. Um, last year, I was very surprised with Weber. They weren't, they weren't like the strongest program, let's say, three, four years ago. But the last two years, there's been a huge improvement in them. And then... Another team, Thomas University, are always a challenge to go up there to Georgia and play them in. They get a quite good atmosphere with people. It's always a challenging game. I'd say those three, probably. So, Thomas, that's like right where I'm from. I'm from about 45 minutes from Thomas University. Well, last year, I think last year or the year before, they didn't have a program because it hit and stuff. So I believe the budget wasn't the biggest or whatever, but this year they came back and the year before COVID, they were great. They they beat us my first year in the in the semifinal of the playoffs, Sun Conference. How about that? Um, 
but it's a bit like I said. I mean, Georgia, the state of Georgia, is growing a lot for soccer. I think Atlanta United had a lot to do with that and their success early on and success through. I mean, they've been a they haven't uh, gone back to the Cup final yet, but they've still been a playoff team and whatnot the last couple of years. But we we have a big Hispanic community in south in Southwest Georgia, so I think that plays into it a good bit. I got called a puta many many times, gringo many many times uh, in between sticks traveling around Colquitt County. Uh, Valdosta, Lowndes, that that area, it, it gets pretty rowdy. Uh, where, where it gets really insane, though, is when we got playing playoff soccer in high, in high school, we'd go up to Atlanta. Those games would get packed. I mean, there it was like a Friday night football game up there. I mean, they would pack the stands. And I'll never forget, it was first-round playoffs. We were a four-seed going up against a one-seed, like a state champion favorite. It was they were called like Kennesaw Mountain or something like that. And I was dressed in my all blues. I was ready. I had blue, 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 blue. And they called me Blueberry the entire game. Had 13 saves that game, though. I was proud. I was proud. Saved. Wow. Yeah, we, we – I, I love playing my boys. We didn't exactly have the best back line. Uh, I, I got on to them a lot. We lost We lost 4 nothing. It was tough. But uh, I can move, man. I, I, I'm not quite as limber as I was back in my day. I hung up the gloves for a while now, but – I was telling some of the Weber soccer players, I was like, hey, if y'all ever need a keeper one day, I'll buy there for a little shoot. I always got my gloves on me. I think they're, I think they're in my Jeep. Yeah, what was that? Give me a quick call and I'll be there. Yeah, give me a quick call. I'll hop in between the sticks. I still got it. I still – I tell you what, give me 10 minutes. Let me watch the Manuel Neuer 2014 highlights and I'll be good to go. I'll, I'll be ready. You got the kick in there already. Oh, yeah. You did that one, so that's the first one. I got you. Hey, I got a. I, I wanted to do a little. To you, you're a defender, big central, uh, big central defender. Uh, I was a keeper. Uh, you can talk to a lot of my defenders. I probably said things to them in games I probably didn't mean or something like that. What's some of the What's some of the best stuff a keepers told you? You know, us keepers were crazy. We're psychos. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you got to be, and I'll tell you some crazy keeper stories from uh, here in a minute. But what what what's some things that a keeper said to you? It's like I think this guy's insane right now. Yeah, and so it's it's funny. I think the funniest part is when in practice you're you're doing penalties and and plays and stuff. They get super annoyed when you chip the ball when you're trying to make fun of the keeper. I think that's that's hilarious. How did I've seen people? The keeper from my team is now assistant coach. He used to chase people, trying to like kick them in the legs. <laughs> and then keeper. My keeper infusion on uh, the summer team, Perryman, Josh Perryman, is one of the craziest guys I've, I've played with, which I, I'm also a big character in terms of shouting and stuff. So it, it was good to have him supporting me there. Yeah, yeah, good. I, I don't like I don't like a quiet uh central defender either. I want someone to help me relay my message when I'm telling shoot, shoot. Like that that's when I got I think the craziest I got was trying to set my wall really quick. Yeah. That that's when I would get red in the face from screaming that. Uh, corners, I would always try to direct traffic there. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I was a dirty player, but I'd definitely say I've, uh, my elbows would go out a little bit when crosses came in. <laughs> you got you to play all your cards. That's you how it is. Yeah, you got to. And the, usually the, the ref does protect the keeper, which is good was good for me most of the time. Um, so I don't know if you can kind of tell through the Zoom, my nose is kind of just slightly crooked this way. It used to be more crooked this way from a shot I took to the face. 
And about a year or so later, it got kicked kind of back the other way. So it kind of fixed it a little bit. Yeah, I've gotten some, but those two suck. I got a knee through the lip. My defender's knee went through my lip and into my tooth. I had to get five stitches there. That that's so you got you got to be a little crazy, man. You got to yeah. be crazy. I think you got to be crazy to play soccer in general, man. You you, you look at it, you're moving nonstop for ninety minutes, um, and it doesn't seem too crazy from like when we do it. But if you put a guy out there that has you know not normal conditioning of a soccer player, they're going to die. Um, yeah, a lot of it is the preparation. What's a what's a what's a Kaiser University conditioning course kind of look like for y'all? Can you hear me? Sorry, no, I was, you're good. You're I good. was putting up the charge. There you go. Um, conditioning it's it's pretty hard. I don't think I think Coach Coach Gavin, which is our head coach, has been my head coach for four years. Mm. I think he, he emphasized it in a way which I think it's smart, which is obviously you got to run. There's those days that you just got to get out and die out there running. But then it's also smart to do those days, but with a ball on your feet. You know, in the end of the day, when you're playing, you're not going to have, you're going to have more capacity of running than when you're just going for a job. Because the ball is there, the intensity of the game, the fans, you're heated up. So I think it's also important to put that condition inside on the ball as well, you know? Right. And make it hard, but it is it is quite tough. Obviously, you got to run for ninety minutes. You gotta you gotta be fit. There's no other way to do it. Yeah, that's why I became a goalkeeper back in the day. I said, for all that running, I'm just gonna get kicked in the face. I'd rather get kicked in the face and do core work for for an hour all day than do all that yeah. running. <laughs> we cool. we have the same. Yeah, and our team the keepers is so lazy, man. Always get out of the <laughs> running days. You yeah. them. Like man, that sucks. Sucks to be y'all, man. I, th- I tell you something, uh, Iker Casillas once said, um, most kids dreamed about the se- scoring the perfect goal. I always dreamed about saving the perfect shot. And, I always, and that was something I always – I love when I would uh, dig one out lower 90 or upper 90 or just a crazy reaction save. I always like looking right at the striker, just seeing that kind of like, what do I got? Oh, you dropped your phone. You're good. My bad, my bad. You're good. No, you're good, dude. Yeah, seeing that, um, that's kind of – it's. That's the best feeling when you when you do make that save or you save a you parlay a, pen, a penalty around the post. That's I think that's one of the, the best feelings uh, I felt in sports. Um, all right, I got a scenario for you. You're a big big defender, big big central defender. I'm sure you watched the game. I want you to start one. All three guys in their prime. I want you to start one, cut one, and bench one. All right. Let's go, Carlos Puyo. Puyo. Yeah. You know what I'm I mess up his name, but you know what I'm talking about. Sergio, how do you say it? Okay. Much better. Sergio Ramos, Virgil Van Dyke. I knew that was coming the third one. I gotta say, Puyol is the one I'm selling and getting rid of. Amazing defender, but and then I think Virgil Van Dyke is a better player than Ramos. But then I've seen Ramos since I'm very young. He's from a young, like, hometown. He played for Sevilla before he played for Madrid. And it's like the personality and what he brings to the team is something that very few players have, you know? Right. And you hear from you hear from their, like, teammates and he says he's just like a winning mentality, you know? He's, yeah. I think, close to, be, like, close to the record of most trophies in, in a football player or something like that. So I'll go start Ramos. Bench Van Dyke, which hurts, but I have to do it and then get rid of Puyol. 
I do agree with the, with uh with Poyo Poyo uh cutting. I uh, disagree with the other two. I think Virgil Van Dyke's the, the best defender I've ever seen play. When I watched, yeah. him, I mean, when I watched him that night in Anfield, the four 0 night in Anfield, um, that that night pretty much I, I looked myself that the day I watched it, it was later in the act, and I remember I just got done with the workout and I was like, "We're good." I'm sure Barca's through, and I looked and it was two nothing, and they scored right then. I turned on the TV, and it was. Corner taken quickly by Origi, and I was like, "You got to fucking, you got, you got to be kidding me, man!" And like that night, I, I said, "I don't know if sports, if watching sports is for me anymore. I don't, I don't think I can handle this." But I, I that's the beauty of it as well. It is. Um, I, I've dealt with a lot of. I mean, being a Barca fan, I got to see a lot of success. But uh, my my at home sports, um, Atlanta Braves baseball and Georgia football were my two big ones, and. I, a lot of bad years. Um, not going to get into them. They were a lot of bad years, but they both just won the championship recently, back to back. So that uh, that has lifted my spirits a lot. Um, anyways, back to soccer. So y- y'all did face a lot of adver- adversity. Uh, you go into your senior year, y'all had a lot of seniors on your team last year. Uh, losing late in the year to St. Thomas, and then losing the Sun Conference tournament uh, against St. Thomas again. What was the mind shift and what happened there to get y'all's mind focused for the national tournament to go on the run that y'all did and end up raising the red banner? What what was that switch and what was the mentality in the locker room in between the disappointment and then going in and making that huge run? Yeah, it was it was a turning point for sure, man. Um I remember like the the bus drive from when we lost St. Thomas at their place and they got the, the trophy and stuff. It was quiet, but then at the same time, we knew we had it, you know, like the football was there. It was just um, every time we played against them, the game started very well. They scored and I, our heads came down and nobody was doing their 100%. Nobody was chasing after the guys. So I feel like it was more mental than than playing. And then once we played the opening round, we had two games. And it was important, like, to go against these teams well. One of them was Florida National, which had beaten us early in the season. Mm-hmm. So it was a friendly, but it still counted, obviously. And then we went ahead 1-2 and 3-0. And I feel like that was the moment where the team was like, okay, three more games, just get after it and, and try our best. Because we're a team also that we like playing with the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And we don't usually kick it forward. But it got to a point that we were just saying, okay, Let's try and put to aside now how we play the beautiful part and stuff. Let's just get the result and get the get the win. And right. that was it's kind of like what Barca went through for a couple of years, where yeah, they were dominating possession, but it was close wins or uh, coming up short a lot against Madrid. And then we have that recent success with uh, obviously MSN with Luis Luis Enrique. Uh, but but that that kind of deal where it became yeah, it's beautiful. The game's beautiful, but at the end of the day. It's good to win. It's what's on the scoreboard. I understand that a lot. Uh, what's it going to take for Kaiser this year to, you know, obviously that they're losing a good bit, but a lot coming back, and I'm sure a lot coming in. I don't know about who's really coming in a whole lot for the Seahawks, but what's it going to take for Kaiser to go back-to-back, basically? I mean, that's got to be the, the goal. It's got to be another one or bust, right? There's there's no other choice that's a goal. I mean, you got also that the girls – the Kaiser woman did it a couple of years ago. They won back-to-back as well. 
Mm. So it's, and I think it's going to take, um, you know, they, when the level of the teams is so close, like in the NAIA, once you get to the final side, every team can win, you know, like anybody can win it. So I think it was the, the hunger from last year, you know, like we wanted more than anyone, anyone else. And that's what's going to make the trophy come to us, you know, to like our way, because we just were hungry for it. So I think that's the attitude. I mean, I can't wait to get back and see the boys and, and speak with them. You know, as a captain, you have like a role where where you have your team talks and, and that. And the talent is there, you know. So I think it's a good year. Coach Gav, I think he knows what he has to do. So, so yeah, I think it's a good year. Just uh, wanting it and staying hungry is the key to it. Absolutely, staying hungry. Uh, you know, something the coach told me is like my, one of my goals was to always win the championship and then do it again the next year just to make sure everybody knew it wasn't a mistake. And we were, were those. Yeah. Uh, I try to curse too much on you, but we are those MFers. So it was basically what he, what he was trying to say. And uh, uh, I, I was lucky enough to be a part of a back to back team with uh, high school football. But I mean, on this level, we, uh, yeah, uh, we'll talk about it later on fair. It's about I don't want to get into high school football too much. But um, with, with you, I mean, going back-to-back red banners. And soccer is just – it's such a hard sport to stay consistent in year after year and day after day. Cause it, it's a grind. I mean, you're the physical part of it, the, the running, and it is a physical sport, especially being the position that I played and you played in the back. I mean, it's, it's war. And, and, yeah, it is war back there, man. And it's war. It's and mentally, if you if you blank out at any point, as at any position, but especially the closer you get to goal, uh, you know, striker, you can mess up a couple times a game, be okay. Midfield, slightly less, you'll be okay. Defender, you better not screw up much. And keeper, you make one mistake, you're done. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and the mental it side. Is tough, but it's I used to play number ten, like attacking midfield. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what changed the mentality that you like have to get when you're playing it when you're at the back. It gives yeah. you that matureness in the game that you like it's harder to get up there, you know. Obviously I wasn't good enough to play up there because I wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, it's tough. And football is a, is a very demanding sport and it's a lifestyle, you know. The guys that make it, they breathe it, they eat it, they sleep it. It's it's a lifestyle. So yeah, man, you're right, saying it's fucking hard. I, I completely agree and something I relate to you a lot when you, you said you played that number 10 role and you obviously in the back you go up against a lot of number 10s. Something that I did in high school, you know, obviously in a 25 to 30 game season, you don't want to be between the sticks for every single one. So we would put in the backup keeper and I'll say, hey, coach, for, you know, for a little bit of this game, could I go and play out on the wing? Uh, if it gets out, if it's a, if it gets out of hand or whatnot. And there were a few times I did and I, that, helped me learn just kind of being there and just being on the other side. So that's a very smart thing. And, you know, you being a smart, smart player as well, that's why you've landed yourself in the position that you're in. I'll let you go ahead and just uh, tell myself and the audience a little bit about what you got going with the fusion and moving on uh, from then with your professional club and whatnot, if you want to go off uh, on that, brother. So, so to tell a little bit of myself, so yeah, yeah I mean, like your, your post college, like what you're up to now, like uh, playing. I you know, going through your Instagram, obviously you're seeing with the North Carolina Fusion and some of the. I mean, looking at the crowds, you're at these games. These are solid crowds you're playing in front of, too, man. Yeah, yeah, like the final was something like eight thousand people. It was crazy, wow. very impressive. But um, yeah, right now, like you said, I've done my ACL, so I got a bit of a 
of a marathon in front of me, you know, recovery process. It's a little bit every day, trying to get better every day, which is hard. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of the future, I'm done now in December with Kaiser. Um, the knee has been a bit of bad timing because I had a, a combine with Austin FC from the MLS. Oh, shit. The, t- the 22nd of July, but then the knee thing happened. So not right now, that is in standby. And then... My plans, like ideally, if everything goes well, I hopefully the knee is looking well and it's starting to to get better. Is to try and do a masters, try and play D one, which is something I tried to do last semester but didn't work out with my transcripts, etc. So try play D one, get that exposure, play at that level, which is it's a bit of a difference, not that much of a difference, but it's a bit of a difference. And then hopefully from there, try try and go play at the next level. You know, I mean, I am twenty three. Um, I know it's. I'm not 19 anymore. I'm at an age where, where you the clock is ticking and you gotta make it. And obviously, that's all it's in my head right now. I basically live for it. But then, we'll see. You know, the knee I think has a has a big say in all that. But um, but yeah, hopefully next summer I would like to play again USL two, which is a great league, great great level, and and see from there, man. So USL two is it? Do they have a relegation and promotion with uh, the USL, or is it just two completely separate leagues? Yeah, so the USL is composed of three leagues: is the USL Championship, which is considered the second highest division, then the USL one, which is the third division, and then USL two, which is semi-professional. It's not professional; it's a fourth one. But there's no relegation. It's just okay. if you last, you're last, and then if you make it. Um, to the final like we did last year and then you try and win it and you get your trophy obviously it's more instead of that promotion and thing stuff that you're saying it's more about uh, a way to sh- showcase your level in front of the proteins you know that's how the approach from from the Austin FC came to me you know because through okay. the USL you get more exposure um, in terms of like bigger teams and bigger clubs okay I got you I great, got you. great level USL to great organization no, yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, the best players from the from the country that play soccer in university, which is good, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you said you said I, I think that's great. I, from what what everything that I've seen and I've heard, just talking to uh, certain people around the conference, mostly at at Weber, but other places. Anyways, uh, you obviously one of the more talented players to come through the conference, especially on the defending side. And I was watching some of your highlights, and all I was thinking was. I really wish I could have had a center back that good. I really wish I had a center back that that when I got in between, I was like, "He's got it. He's going. He's going to control the middle. Let me look at. Let, let me keep my eye out on the wings and everything." But um, I, I love it. All right, so I want to just give you some rapid fire questions, and I want you okay. to say where is it better, United States or Spain? Okay. All it right. depends. Oh, like you're gonna give me the topic? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you something, and you say United States. Or Spain. Okay. All right, nightlife. Spain. Okay. Being from West Palm, that's it. I thought I thought y'all might have have some good. Okay, okay, okay. All don't right. get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing in the United States, but just Spain is different. You know, the people are different. Okay. All right. Europeans party different. We got to step up our game, America. We're not partying yeah. here. <laughs> okay. Uh, food. We start there. I'm sorry. So food. Food. Spain. Uh, that one doesn't surprise me a whole lot. I, 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 I don't really know like Spanish, I guess, food, but like Latin food. I, that's what I miss the most, man. I always tell my mom, my grandparents, 
parents, my dad, when I come home, I'm like, this is what I need. Like if I had this in the US, I'll stay there forever. But like being home, the meals, the way you like sit after the meal and chat in the table and have a little drink or something, it's it's great, man. Y'all eat a lot later over there too, right? Sure. Oh. 2 to 3 p.m. That's usually lunchtime. Wow. Wow. So what about uh, like when's dinner? Like 9, 10 o'clock? 9, 10. Some people you see 11, something like that. I'm making sure we're getting close. Is it is it almost dinner time over there for you? Yeah, I mean, I still got let's a, a good hour for dinner. I still like I'm an early dinner here. I usually have dinner like nine nine thirty. Oh, okay. I'm kind of used to west. But what is it like like eight eight twenty? It's two twenty uh Florida time. It's like eight eight twenty over there. Yes, sir. Uh, that, that screws me. I don't. Screws me up. I guess that's just how, how the world literally, literally how the works. Okay, yeah. all right. So, where all of you, you've lived? What North Carolina and Florida so far? Florida, yeah, a little bit in Georgia, North Carolina for okay. a good time in Florida. Yeah. All right. How about weather? What, what, what about weather? Spain or U.S.? Oof, I'd say U.S. Man. Okay, we had to get one on the board. All right, we had, we had to get West one. West Beach. It's it's paradise man it's like living in the in south america in a beach all the time it's good it, it is I, I can tell you from living in the midwest not all of the united states is like west palm beach florida there's a there's some uh not so fun areas being a thousand yeah. miles away from the beach and when it's uh like 13 degrees outside with a negative two degree wind chill and you got practice that day brother it ain't fun there ain't nothing fun about that there's no way i can do that yeah, what's the? Have you played in like super cold weather before? The coldest I did, but it was summer. Like, I mean, I lived in England when I was young, for oh. like almost four years. I So there, it was the south of England, but it, it still got like January it was freezing cold. Were you near like any clubs, or did you get to go to any uh, English soccer games while you lived over there? Yeah, I went. I lived in Brighton, which is down south. Back then, there used to be championship, and then. Yeah. Right before I left in year 10, which is, um, let's say, like 13, 14, something like that years old, maybe a little bit more, and then 14, 15, and I got an offer. Well, not an offer to, like, see Brighton, she come see me play and stuff. Oh, but sick. then I decided to go back home. My time in England oh, was over, wow. you know. Well, are they still up, or did they get relegated last year? Oh, no, I think they're still they're still there, and they they sold quite a, a few of their key players, but they're doing well, man. They're up they, there. Yeah, they beat Manchester United to open up the year. That's right. Yes, two one in Old Trafford, man. I like seeing Manchester United suffer right now. I, I, that that brings a smile to my face. They lost four 0 to Brentford. Manchester United <laughs> dumpster fire. Love it. It's the Blazers are doing an amazing job running that club. Well. <laughs> Uh, Chris, I just want to thank you. Uh, I had an awesome time. For your first Sun Conference player on here, man, a uh, soccer player. Uh, thank, you, man. thank you for having me. It was great. Yeah, I had a great time. Uh, you know, if you got anything for me uh, or anything you want to say to the boys this year, anything at all, go ahead. It's all you. If not, uh, I guess good night <laughs> to you out there in, over in Spain and a speedy recovery, of course. Thank you, man. I want to say congratulations to you, man, for your podcast. I think it was time that the conference started getting some quality content, you know, and, yes, and getting some showcase. Like you said, there's there's great, great athletes in NAIA Sun Conference. I think it's about time that we start getting 
the media going and the people around the country knowing us, you know. So Thanks, thank man. you for that. And then, yeah, hopefully the boys make it this year again. Um, this year, my good friend Nano Varela is going to take the captain armband. So he's going to wow. lead the well. And, and yeah, of course, they'll do well. And I, hopefully I'll be there to see it with them. Yeah, so, hey, if, uh, if y'all come up and play Weber or Warner uh, this year, I'll live around here, holler at me, we'll go. Uh, sure, and we will so. watch a game and dance together. Absolutely. We, we will watch, and we'll put on a live stream uh, on the Instagram or something. And I'll t we have some really good Hispanic food around here. I mean, really? yes. Like, we have uh, this actually the sponsor, El Baron, uh, of this podcast. Uh, we, we have a little deal. He gives me some food, and I give him shout-outs kind of deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He is right across from the school. He has amazing Brazilian food. We have another place in uh, Lake Wells, about 10 minutes from the school. And I, I've eaten lunch in the last four days. I mean, it is oh, it, amazing. It's right. great. South American food night, it's next level. It's very, very good. Yeah, they have these beef cheek tacos. Oh, Sounds, so maybe we could go grab some before yeah. the game. Absolutely. Sounds good. Hey, Chris, thanks, thanks a lot, man. And thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Suncast.